welcome to our very first 87% podcast. We will be focusing on the idea of rebranding mental health. With me, your host, Emily Sexton-Brown. I'm delighted to be joined by the awesome Jack Jacobs. Hi, Jack. Hi, Emily. Jack is a mental health advocate, a coach, a campaigner, and an entrepreneur. He's very busy. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you currently are on your mental wellbeing journey? Yes, I am a coach. I coach students and young entrepreneurs and young professionals. I coach them to reach their full potential, mm -hmm. and this could be in any area of their life. And yeah, the reason why I coach students and why I'm so passionate about the, the next generation of this world is because most of my pain and problems and challenges mm. occurred in that time frame. And yeah, I really want to give back, and coaching is a, is a very interesting and new way, um, in my opinion, of approaching mental well-being. So yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And in terms of my journey, you know, I'm, mental health is a spectrum, mental well-being is a spectrum, and I'm always going up and down as, as pretty much everyone does. Mm. And yeah, always trying to find new ways of dealing with the stresses, dealing with the pressures, and really building self-awareness for me, that's the key, is, yeah. is to be understanding yourself and to constantly strive just every single day to understand stand yourself a bit more mm -hmm. so you can deal with life. Rebranding mental health, what does that make you think of? Yeah, so rebranding mental health, like we, we obviously been discussing, yeah. um, you know, how, how, how can we change the term mental health because mm -hmm. there is obviously a massive I think there's a massive misconception of what mental health actually is and a lot of people think I think mental health is binary it's mm. zero or one you either have it or you don't and I think also a lot of people think mental health only needs to be dealt with when you have a problem yeah um, a lot of people would link mental health to problems like depression or anxiety or eating disorders or something of those sort and that's because you know the news and the media and in my opinion that's how it is talked about. Mm -hmm. It is talked about as a problem. And I think in order to move forward, we do need to change the conversation and change the way we speak about it. And obviously you've mentioned to me mental fitness. Mm -hmm. um, and mental fitness is a, is a great term, in my opinion, of describing um, mental health. Mm -hmm. Because it just, it just goes on par with physical fitness. Absolutely. And for me, fitness just means to be fit for mm -hmm. the environment that you, you're in. Mm -hmm. Like a sumo wrestler's fitness needs to be different to a footballer's fitness. And someone who's a coach needs to be different fitness in terms of mental and physical yeah. than, a, than a footballer or a sumo wrestler. So I think it's just all about understanding yourself mm -hmm. and understanding what, what is fit to you. And only you know that deep down. Yeah, it's that not one box fits all kind of yeah. approach. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And I think sort of touching upon what we were saying there about the rebranding of mental health. Um, obviously, you are you've key insights into this because you do a lot of coaching with younger younger people. Mm -hmm. But I'd imagine you know there are, there are connotations around mental health. People do kind of view it sometimes as a form of weakness, or you know you wouldn't say physical health and then automatically connect that to weakness. So yeah, very much about changing the conversation mm -hmm. and, and breaking down that stigma. So you stole my line, but can you, yeah, can we sort of discuss the idea of mental fitness a bit? Because I, you know, I personally would love to see mental health rebranded as mental fitness. Yeah, of um, course. I mean, like, I've, I've already changed my, my title to mental <laughs> fitness coach, so that's, that's what I'm going to be using from now on. <laughs> um, but it's the perfect way of describing it. That's no, it is. Do. It makes so much sense. And in fact, I've been talking to a lot of university students at the moment, doing some market research yeah. on, on how do they see mental health and what tools and techniques do they use to to you know combat them mm -hmm. and not combat the mental health see I, I, I even fell into the trap there yeah um, because it's again it's seen as something negative mm -hmm. um, so how do they 
live with their mental health. And it, it, they always refer to a problem of some sort. Mm. They always refer to a problem. And then in terms of the tools and techniques, in fact, a lot of them didn't really have many tools or techniques. Some of them did, weren't really conscious. Were they even aware they needed tools, techniques, coping mecha- mechanisms? Did they know they, did they identify as having some kind of issue? To be fair, some of them did, and the ones that did were the ones that went through something traumatic right. or something that really tested their mind from a young age. So they could pinpoint it exactly. Yeah, and I think, again, it comes back to self-awareness. Yeah. Your, your understanding of yourself and what you really feel. Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier as well, is, is you know, reality is scary. Mm-hmm. And to admit, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes to admit things out loud mm. and to say it out loud is really scary because then it does become real. It's talking about mental health and mental fitness to students, there is definitely, there's definitely a change that needs to happen mm. in terms of the conversation if we are going to move forward in the way that we should. And, then, and as again, we were discussing it earlier, is a more of a community-based solution mm-hmm. where we can help each other in my opinion. <laughs> I feel like we should have done a pre uh, this. It's we like what we discussed earlier. And then we uh, did a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of, yeah, what we did touch upon earlier with things like when you go to the doctors and you don't feel very well, you rightly said, you know, normally you are directed in the in the direction of medication. Sometimes there's talking therapy offered, but, mm-hmm. you know, more, more often not and then can you just explain your approach about the immunity you were talking about yeah I just think we can actually all help each other a lot more than we think mm-hmm. we don't need in my opinion we don't need look there's obviously a line here and I'm, I'm not one to say that this where this line is exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but this is up again I'm just one voice in this discussion it shouldn't be something that I'm I'm not saying this is right or wrong yeah but just in my opinion there's obviously a line and there's some very severe mental health problems that we can't deny yeah that need medication and that needs a lot more support than other ones mm-hmm. but for, for me from my experience of what I've experienced I've been close to their death's door and I've been yeah. down that road I've been very very far and it's very very scary and I never thought that I would get out, get out of it, but mm. I know that every single person has the power within to do a lot more than they think they can. And that's, that's what I'm trying to unlock, and that's what I want to unlock. And I think if we all work together, and we're all more so positive to each other, mm-hmm. then we could actually unlock those doors for all of us. Definitely. And for me, that would solve a lot mm. of, the me- of the mental struggles mm-hmm. that people go through. I'm not saying it will solve everything, mm. but you know the majority of these things are just the daily pressures of life. You know, just <laughs> seeing pictures on Instagram, for example, yeah. or or just walking down the road and feeling anxious because there's too many people. I think these are things that could be solved really easily mm-hmm. from a community-based solution. Everyone working together. Can you sort of pinpoint the last time that you felt you needed to be mentally fit? This morning. <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now. This morning. Yeah, no, all the time. All the time. You have yeah. to be. You want to be mentally fit all the time. You're not, you're not always mentally fit yeah. all the time. Um, and again, that's well, similar to the physicality. You, you want to be physically fit, yeah. but again, you can't be physically Yeah. Yeah, and when you get injured, you know, you were saying how frustrated you get when you get injured. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You're frustrated because your mind's, you don't feel in the right place. And we all say, actually, you know, if we're feeling a bit down one day, you know, you just, you ever heard someone say, I just don't, I just don't feel myself. Mm. I just don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Something's off. Yeah. It's like, that's fine. You know, it's cool. It's cool to feel off. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least you recognize it. And if you know if you felt off when you were running and your mm. knee started hurting or whatever, you would stop yeah. and take a break. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with your your mental exactly. your mental side. You know, if you feel off or you feel like something's niggling at you, maybe take a break and start reflecting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll give even give an example, and I'll just make myself vulnerable here in a situation like last week. I was about to go and do a talk, 
and in the morning I went through like my story and what I was going to say. And I went through it so many times, I literally just got so overwhelmed with myself. Mm. And to the extent where I couldn't even say what I wanted to say anymore. And yeah, I just literally broke down and thought, I can't do this, you know. Yeah. I like the, the, the thought of standing up in front of, you know, students speaking was mm. just so scary to me, suddenly. Mm. And you know, I didn't go. But then two days later, I went to Aberdeen and mm. the university talk there. Because I thought, either I can use this as an opportunity to learn, or I can go down another very dark road. Yeah. And it is a choice at the end of the day, and we have to take responsibility for our own mental well-being. And that's it. That's exactly, you've nailed it then. You've, you've taken responsibility. If you were, you know, dying with a cold, or you had a broken leg, you wouldn't be going off to do these things. So why the hell would you do it if you weren't feeling right in, yeah. in your mind? Yeah, I mean, if you, if, you, if you broke a leg and then you went to play football the next week, yeah. all of your mates would be like, look, mate, you're, you're really being silly here. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. you need to rest. Yeah. I mean, if, if you know, something traumatic happens or you know, like, say you do have a breakdown, then you know, people should be saying, hey, look, take a break. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of managers, there's a lot of companies out mm. there or a lot of people out there that don't recognise that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think internally it comes to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And from a community point of view, we need to increase emotional intelligence. Absolutely. I oh. think those two key things are what we need to increase. Yeah, and then we'll all be ruling the world. Unless robots <laughs> come and take over. Well, which inevitably <laughs> might happen as well. How can we we get people just talking about this stuff? It's, it's you know, to you and I, it's, it, we love talking about it. <laughs> We've talked about it for years now. But but how can we get everyone, you know, Jay Bloggs on the street and his cat and, and whoever, whoever else, how can we get them just passionately talking about it? We need to not be scared of I think for some reason we're scared of talking about our mind. Um, and also... Sometimes we're just thinking. We need to separate what are thoughts and what are actual feelings Mm -hmm. and actual things that you believe in. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference, you know. I think people get scared of their thoughts, but you don't need to be scared of them. Like, you can think something and not believe in it. Mm. You can think something and not take action on it. Yeah. It's just a thought, you know. Explore it. That's what a big thing of recovering from anorexia was asking myself all of these questions that I had just taken, taken, you know, for granted as a kid. It could be simple things like uh, relationships. Yeah. Like, what is a relationship? Mm-hmm. What, what do I see in that relationship? What do I actually want when I'm older? Mm-hmm. And you know, you grow up, like, you get married, you have kids, like, there's this, like, whole, this whole plan for the day you're born, you mm. know, it, depending on where you, where you grow up, and obviously different countries around the world, yeah. um, there's different environments. But I guess living in the Western world, living in the UK, and in, in England, and London especially, where that's pretty much the plan for most people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just went back to question myself. And also, I came to the conclusion that anorexia as well, is, is, is a very selfish illness. Um, and that, that, was, that was for me, for me uh, as a result of me analysing myself and all of my actions. And I'm not saying that you know, going through anorexia is something to be ashamed of or you know, you're a selfish person for doing that. Mm. But it's very important to recognise as a person who's been through it and recovered from it, that if you were growing up in, a, in an environment where there was not food, and there was not shelter, and there mm. weren't the daily necessities of your life. Mm. There's no way you would do that. And you know that that's the, I I felt actually guilty for a little while over that because I thought actually if I was growing up in a in a country where I didn't have the opportunity to live mm-hmm. and survive, and I have family, and I have I actually have a good life. Mm. It was a part of being grateful for what I have. Yeah. And gr- gratitude for me was a big part of recovery from anorexia. Mm-hmm. And but it's a, again, it comes back to perspective. Yeah. So yeah, got off topic there, but yeah, for me, that's that's the key from my perspective is about being honest with yourself mm-hmm. and remain integral with yourself and not to be scared of of these things that you're thinking. Explore them. Don't be scared to say them. Yeah. And put yourself in vulnerable situations. You know. 
next time you're feeling vulnerable or you had a you have like a I don't know you have a problem that you want to share just share it with someone like new and then maybe that person will share it with someone new mm-hmm. and that's I think it's a domino effect yeah I think just we need more people just to start talking slowly about how they're feeling and what's on their mind mm-hmm. and then we can all start talking about how we're feeling and what's on our mind just as we would if we injured our arm or mm-hmm. have a sore hand or whatever it is yeah we wouldn't be scared to talk about that do you think it's influential when um, people in in positions of power talk about and i've been talking in terms of like i don't know wealth or hierarchy within a business or mm. whatever whatever do you think it's quite powerful when people like that talk about their vulnerabilities yeah for sure because they've made a, they've made themselves to a position of power People who are in a, in, a, in a high position speaking about their vulnerabilities is really important because I think a lot of people who suffer from mental health problems when thinking about their mental fitness mm-hmm. are scared of saying it to their employers or scared of the repercussions of, of how it could impact their career yeah. and their progression. Yeah. And that's why I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's very influential when people at companies are talking about mm. it. Because it makes you feel you know, less scared to, to, to go into a company and be like, oh, actually, you know, the CEO went through depression or mm-hmm. the CEO is talking about his anxiety. It's like, oh wow, he's a CEO. Like Yeah. You know, this I could still become much less scary to talk about now because exactly. look how, you know, amazing he or she is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um or amazingly well like they've done so yeah, in for their sure. career. Yeah. You said something fabulous earlier and I'm trying to find a way to ask you about it again, but I think I'm just going to ask you to repeat it. Okay. So you spoke <laughs> about um, your recovery mm-hmm. and how you had a had a very similar approach coming out of it as you did going into your mm. into realness and then how and then you spoke about afterwards how entrepreneurs need to be obsessed with things so i kind of loved that whole bubble <coughs> of what you were talking about yeah so i guess even even not even entrepreneurs i guess anyone who you yeah. know who wants to anything anything you do like if you want to do something well mm-hmm. you, you want you need to be obsessed with it you need to want to do it every single day yeah. and love it and be passionate for it. And yeah, there's a difference between that and you know just getting on with life mm-hmm. and flowing through it. So yeah, for me, anorexia is an obsession. It's a crazy, crazy obsession. Mm-hmm. And what I what I realised is that what the same traits and the same obsessive qualities that got me in mm. also got me out. And it was just a matter of switching my obsession from anorexia into something more positive, such as building a business or getting into KPMG or mm-hmm. whatever it is you want to do, just think of it as it's, it's a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, doesn't t- it takes time to switch, you know, you have to break it down. Mm. Like what is anorexia, what's anorexia to me is different to what something might be to you. Mm. So I had to break down my journey and think, okay, what are my triggers? It's, for me, it was like a habit. There was loads of these mini, mini habits within anorexia and I had to break down these habits in order to essentially dissolve anorexia. Yeah. So I thought anorexia is this like building block, this tower, this skyscraper <laughs> of habits. And each floor had a different habit. Right. And I had to literally just break through each floor in order to break down the building. Oh. And that's how it was. It was like, you know, the numbers, for example, um, massive, massive habit of looking at numbers on the back of packets. It's taken me so long to not look, to not consciously look at those right. yeah. numbers. Looking in the mirror, I didn't look at the mirror in, I didn't look at myself for about a year and a half. Wow. Um, because I knew if I looked at myself, I wouldn't see what I wanted to see or what was even real. So it was like, don't look at yourself because you know the trigger. You're not going to see what exactly you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So there's no need. And I had to let my brain like recalibrate. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt like I was doing. I was like recalibrating my brain wow. in order to recover. So yeah. 
when you spoke about that kind of need for obsession, that what, what that made me think about was in the past, if I've really wanted a job or I've really liked someone I'm dating yeah. or uh, I really wanted to get into a university, <laughs> I would tr literally would put my heart and soul into it, and yeah. I'd put everything. And it, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Well, like you said about um, anorexia, that's kind of how you felt. But you know, if if we if we put that amount of effort into everything, especially positivity and yeah. good things, and that will help us and others, it'd be great. But that's you know, I, I feel like people just kind of they run on on empty a lot of the time. Yeah, because also there's an important my reward system was messed up. Right. Because my reward system was. The action was don't eat, and the reward was you feel empty. And right. for some reason, that reward was rewarding. Right. That became a reward. But was that not a control element that you're like, I've, I've, this is self-imposed, sure. and I, I'm, I've done what I wanted to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the reward out of the habit, mm -hmm. and I had to change that reward into something more positive. So again, it's it's about a relationship with my relationship with food and exercise. Mm -hmm. I had to manipulate that again. To, to food was not a way to manipulate my weight. It was nice. It was good. Yeah. It was. It tasted nice. You know. Mm -hmm. It. It fueled me. Yeah. Fueled me to do my exercise. And exercise was something that should be, for about building long-term physical fitness. Mm -hmm. And then now you know mental fitness, taking time for yourself, taking yeah. time to reflect, taking time to think. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? Mm -hmm. How did you get here? Those types of questions. That you and you and yourself, you have rebranded mental health, you've taken something that was very difficult, and you've completely turned it into such a positive. And now you're going and coaching the world, and you're being <laughs> fabulous. Um, and uh, I, I think you're amazing. So thank you so so much for for coming in. You're our our debut guest, and uh, yeah, don't think we'll get a better one. So <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you so so much. I really do appreciate you telling us your story and. They're, they're lucky to, to have you as a coach because, you know, you've, you've been through a lot and you can actually properly relate and, yeah, so thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'm sure we'll do many more. Yes, definitely.